Hi, and welcome to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo, and I'm the Community Field Representative at Western United Dairies. Today, Paul Souza is going to come on the podcast. He is the Director of Environmental Services at Western United Dairies, and he is going to give us an update on what he talked about at the Western United Dairies board meeting. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Folks, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. With one major holiday behind us, we are now kind of heading into the last push of the holidays here on on demand, which is a big time uh, for dairy products for sure. Um, With things slowing down a little bit with Christmas right around the corner, um, we are still hearing that domestic business remains pretty healthy. Uh, Demand for dairy at retail and food service is hanging in there. We are hearing a little bit of fewer reports around exports of cheese, and that seems to have weighed on the block cheddar market a bit. We ended this week down two, uh, down to two ten per pound. That's off a nickel from last Wednesday's close. Barrels, on the other hand, gained eight cents and finished out at one eighty nine seventy five. It was kind of a roller coaster week. Uh, down for most most of the week, we did get a nice little rebound on Thursday. Held steady on Friday. Moving over to butter, uh, we still continue to hear a few contacts or buyers are a little short on product to fill immediate needs here. This is a really big time for butter demand. And um, there's still a little bit of a wave of of business heading into year end. Uh, We are still at pretty elevated prices at $2.90 a pound. We were, however, 4.75 cents lower for the week. On non-fat dry milk, Global demand seems pretty mixed at best. Uh, We are hearing reports of both EU milk production um, on the rise, as well as product availability and prices trading a little bit lower than U.S. uh, products, so we have some competition there. We closed the week on nonfat at 136. That was down 3.75 cents for the week. Moving over to grains, uh, thankfully, Congress stepped in this week to avoid a U.S. railroad strike, with both the House and Senate approving measures to force a tentative labor agreement and that it and extended additional sick time to rail workers. But turmoil around China and its COVID restrictions is kind of keeping the global demand expectations up in the air. And with so much in flux, nearby grain futures are kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Corn did uh, move a little bit lower uh, on Friday. Couple important uh, dates coming up over on the milk risk management side. Uh, be sure to get to your local FSA office if you intend to sign up for the dairy margin coverage program. Deadline for that is next Friday, December 9th. It has been our opinion that looking at the 950 margin on 5 million pounds of milk a year is a pretty good way to go. The other important deadline coming up in a couple weeks is December 15th. That is the last day to acquire 
Q1 2023 Dairy Revenue Protection or DRP uh, coverage. That just puts a floor under your milk price. Again, please reach out with any questions. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Hi, Paul. Thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, Western United Dairies held a board meeting last week, and you gave a wealth of information on what's going on in the environment, uh, as well as some policies that come along with that. So I'm going to kind of let you take it from here to give the listeners an update of all of that. Do you want to start on the ARB trucks? Sure. Uh, So I've done some podcasts on this before. It shouldn't be new to our members, but it was the last board meeting before a big deadline for ARB um, and their trucks. And so I thought I'd reiterate that again to the board. And it's also great for our listeners on the podcast to hear. Um, They've heard it before, but you know, this deadline is coming up very near. Uh, I am talking to some members as they prepare for how they're going to transition and deal with this. Uh, The big thing is that the ag extensions um, and 2010 and older trucks are going to be expiring. Um, they won't be able to be used and registered in California anymore unless you get them into the low use uh, exemption, which is limited to a thousand miles per year or the NOx exempt, um, but that's based on location in only certain areas of the state, like the Northern third of the state applies for that. Otherwise 2010 and older trucks uh, won't be able to be operated and registered next year, starting next year in California. Uh, you know. Folks that use trucks um, are having to figure this out, but it's even going to affect, um, you know, how we get our feed delivered, how we get our milk delivered. Uh, And there are other things that ARB is working on. Trucks are really kind of a target right now for the Air Resources Board. Um, They, a while back, adopted something called the Advanced Clean Fleets Rule, which requires manufacturers to sell an increasing percentage of zero emission vehicles. Uh, They are now working on something called the Advanced Clean Trucks Rule, which is different. Uh, that requires fleets to use and purchase zero emission vehicles um, currently for fleets that are 50 or more. This is a draft rule. It can always change, uh, but a lot is going on with trucks. And then um, one of our board members brought up that uh, there is a smog check for trucks, a new regulation that was passed by ARB. Uh, It starts next year in some ways, but really the smog check starts in 2024 where trucks will have to be checked for smog in order to be able to be registered just like our cars. And um, most trucks, uh, well, for ag trucks, it's once a year that they need to be smogged. For other trucks, it's going to be more than that. Uh, But for trucks used in agriculture, uh, once a year smog check 
starting in 2024 um, is going to be required. And a, a big important part of this is, so if you're buying a truck to try to comply with the ag truck rules, you know, a, a newer truck, a 2014 truck, make sure that all of that uh, smog equipment on that truck is working. Uh, because if you buy a truck and that stuff has been bypassed or tampered with, uh, come 2024, you got a smog check, and now all of a sudden you're responsible for getting all that stuff up to speed. So uh, just be aware of that, especially as you're purchasing trucks, to make sure that all of that stuff is hooked up and working uh, properly so that when this smog check comes into place, um, you're going to be okay with that. So next we have Enteric Methane Protocol. Paul, do you want to give us some information about that? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start out a little bit more broadly, uh, and then I'll get to the enteric methane. Um, so in in same uh, topic, um, the Air, California Air Resources Board and Greenhouse Gas Emissions, uh, they recently released a uh, scoping plan, which is a long-term planning document for them for how they're going to achieve uh, their goals and setting their goals for greenhouse gas emission reductions. Uh, it doesn't set regulations. It's just a uh, a planning document, then the regulations get adopted um, based on that scoping plan to get to the goals um, set by the scoping plan. So that was recently released, actually just before the board meeting last week. I uh, got an email that, that had been released. And it sets a goal. Uh, the biggest part of that scoping plan was to set a goal uh, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and achieve carbon neutrality by 2045. But it was even more aggressive than that in that it changed the 2030 goals. Uh, they do these scoping plans every five years. The previous one had set a goal for 2030. Uh, this one actually bumped up the goal for 2030 and made it even more aggressive than it had been in the last scoping plan. Um, you know, I went right after Jason was talking about the election. Uh, our uh, lobbyist in Sacramento gave the board an update on the election and how Governor Newsom had won uh, the election in a landslide. And I see these policies on climate change following from that. Uh, he won uh, with a, a, you know, a great majority, and he feels um, supported in moving forward these aggressive policies that his voters, um, he feels, you know, believe in and support him on. And so uh, it was interesting to see that connection between the election and um, these policies uh, that are coming out of um, the California Air Resources Board. Uh, for dairy, in that scoping plan, um, there's a couple of things that ARB talks about. They talk about supporting digesters and alternative manure management type projects to reduce methane from manure. They talk about implementing enteric strategies that we kind of touched on to reduce um, enteric methane emissions directly from the rumen of the cow. Um, it talks about accelerating demand for plant-based alternatives to uh, dairy and meat products. Uh, that came from our friends at the uh, environmental justice uh, community that also gave input into this plan. And then those things were in the draft scoping plan that I'd seen earlier this year, but they added a new one, and that is to consider regulations to ensure that the 2030 target is achieved. Um, SB 1383, which I've also talked about on the podcast, uh, set a goal for dairy to reduce its manure methane emissions by 40% by 2030, and ARB is now saying um, that they are going to consider adopting regulations to make sure we get to that goal. Um, 1383 did not allow ARB to adopt regulations or to um, implement regulations before 2024, uh, which is just a little over a year ago. And so I think ARB is kind of signaling that they will be um, 
doing that and sending, um, do, adopting some kind of regulation to ensure that that target is achieved. Um, additionally, in a little bit different and in, in a little different vein, you know, that stuff is very aggressive. Let's move forward. Let's achieve emission reductions. Uh, the Air Resources Board is also considering changes to the low carbon fuel standard uh, program uh, that would reduce the value of dairy biomethane credits by phasing out the avoided methane emissions value uh, by 2040. What this means is if you've got a dairy digester and you are producing biomethane, you're cleaning that up and injecting it into the natural gas pipeline to fuel vehicles, uh, ARB is trying to reduce the value of those credits. Uh, and that unfortunately um, goes against uh, incentivizing folks to put these projects in, to be able to pay for these projects and make them economically viable. And so that's concerning. And uh, Western is putting together comments to the Air Resources Board on that. Um, to try not to have that happen. So finally, we get to the enteric protocol where we started on this. Um, as I mentioned, ARB is um, looking to implement enteric strategies, uh, but the California Dairy Research Foundation um, is working to take an existing voluntary enteric methane protocol from a, a company called Vera and working to revise that and get it adopted by the California Air Resources Board um, to create regulatory credits uh, of higher value for that. They've contracted with a company called the Context Net Network, um, whom I've worked with uh, to lead this effort. And what this does is it would provide a revenue stream for using products that reduce enteric methane emissions, things that you would feed your cows, um, and it would provide revenue back to the dairy to help cover the cost of uh, using those products. Um, also, just before the board meeting, I've gotten an email a couple of days before the board meeting that the National Milk Producers Federation is pushing the Food and Drug Administration to speed up um, the process of adopting these types of things that you would feed cows to reduce uh, enteric methane emissions. Uh, they're currently being treated as a drug by the FDA, and um, NMPF is pushing that they be treated as a feed supplement, which uh, shortens the uh, process uh, to get those adopted. Um, my comment to the board was that ultimately uh, this is in our future. Uh, I don't see a way around this. Uh, it's something that we are going to have to deal with. Uh, there's a lot of talk and a lot of going on in the industry uh, about reducing enteric methane emissions uh, from our cows. This is um, burped from the cows directly from their rumen um, as part of their digestive process. That's what enteric methane emissions are. Got it. So you also talked about some water boards um, as well as some letters. Uh, let's start with North Coast Water Board and then we'll get into Central Valley Water Board. Yep, sure, thank you. Uh, yeah, so on the North Coast, um, we've got a new field representative up there, Kyle Lutz, um, and he is working hard to get those annual reports done uh, on the North Coast, helping those members. Um, he is really, uh, tackled that issue. I've been helping him out uh, since he's new and, and kind of giving him some background and, and really helping him uh, and answering questions. Uh, so that's just been great that our members on the North Coast, if any of them are listening, um, you do have help for this. If you haven't talked to Kyle yet, although you likely have, um, give Kyle a call and he would gladly help you with your annual report. And he's got my support and help in whatever he needs. Um, also last week, we uh, attended a California Dairy Quality Assurance Program workshop, um, one up north in Eureka and one in Santa Rosa to help dairies uh, complete and submit these annual reports. 
the water board uh, staff were there to help answer any questions. Uh, and many dairies uh, got help and got their answers, uh, their questions answered uh, on these annual reports. Um, I've also been helping Kyle with inspections on the North Coast until he gets up to speed. Uh, so um, if you're a North Coast uh, member of Western United, just know that you do have help there uh, and feel free to reach out to Kyle or to me at the office. Um, you know, we'll help you with whatever you need uh, and trying to keep up that service that Melissa was providing previously. Uh, we're really trying to uh, be able to meet that same level of service. Uh, Melissa did set a very high bar uh, for our members and the expectations that they have of what and the help they get from what. And it's my goal to maintain that and keep that same uh, level of service that our members on the North Coast have been used to. So with that, I'll move to the Central Valley uh, where an issue has arisen um, that's really creating uh, a bottleneck and a problem for uh, some of our members. Um, the issue arises from the fact that the Central Valley Regional Water Quality Control Board has not been um, issuing individual permits or addressing expanding facilities uh, for about 10 years. They recently sent some letters to county planning departments uh, commenting on some dairy expansions, which is normal and it's a part of their job. However, these letters were different in that they attempted to stop the counties from approving the condition, conditional use permits for these dairies um, that had been in the process for over a year. It spent a lot of money, had gone through um, the California Environmental Quality Act and everything that the county planning had required of them. Um, at the last minute, the regional board is trying to stop the county from issuing their permits. Um, as part of that, then that started a, a number of conversations and I became aware of a letter from the Environmental Law Foundation challenging the water board for not processing uh, those applications for permits for expanding dairies. Uh, what happens is if you're a dairy and you're going to expand, you submit an application to the Regional Water Quality Control Board and all dairies have been doing that. The Regional Water Quality Control Board, um, as stated in the California Water Code, is supposed to receive those applications and the Water Code says that they shall issue a permit. Uh, but if they fail to do that within 140 days, that the applicant can move forward with their project. Um, the Water Board has been receiving these applications from these dairies that plan to expand and doing nothing about that uh, in relying on that provision that if they don't do anything uh, for 140 days that the dairies can move forward with their expansion. However, that provision is only supposed to apply when water quality uh, is will not be impacted in any way. And uh, information from the Regional Water Quality Control Board and other recent information uh, points that that's likely not the case. And so um, the Water Board is supposed to be issuing permits. I did talk to Dairy Cares about this um, and they let me know that their attorney uh, was disturbed by the Regional Board's actions uh, because again, as the Water Code says, they must uh, accept these applications and address them individually uh, based on their merit. Uh, they cannot reject or deny them without merit or prevent people from submitting them. Uh, they must accept them and if they um, if they're good enough, then they need to issue permits. If they're not good enough, they need to give specific reasons why the application was not good enough, allow the applicant to uh, modify the application and resubmit it for a permit. Um, Stanislaus County Planning Commission uh, recently voted unanimously to approve a conditional use permit faced with one of these letters for one of our members. I was there and spoke on the behalf of our member. Um, 
and I'm continuing to meet. Um, Ani and I have an upcoming meeting with Stanislaus and Merced County Planning Department staff to try to figure out how we uh, resolve this and, and work through this. So uh, it's an issue for those dairies that are in that process who um, have said they want to expand and then they're in the process of expanding. Uh, just be aware that you know there might be some roadblocks, there might be some new obstacles that you were not aware of as you started your process. If you're thinking about expanding, this may not be the greatest time um, because there are new obstacles. The regional board has been, so I've said, they haven't done this for about 10 years. Uh, they used to say that they didn't have enough staff and resources to adopt these individual permits. Now they're saying that they're waiting on the State Water Resources Control Board um, who is doing a um, remand uh, order for the Dairy General order and telling the water board, the Central Valley Water Board how they must write dairy permits and what issues uh, the State Water Board sees with their permits. And so they're saying, until we see that feedback, we're not gonna write any permits. And so um, really kind of a, a roadblock here um, try to work with the water board, with the county planning departments, uh, and our members to try to find a path forward uh, that works for everyone on this. Most definitely. All righty, Paul, is there anything else you want to leave the producers with, or are you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, I had one more thing. Uh, that was that since our last board meeting, the California Department of Food and Agriculture has released their Digester and Alternative Manure Management Program. Uh, awards. Um, CDFA awarded 14 digester projects for $18.7 million and 27 alternative manure management projects for $18.9 million. Uh, so roughly 50-50 split between those two uh, because the legislation that provided that funding required that uh, alternative manure management projects uh, be prioritized. And so uh, the split used to be 75% to digesters and about 25% to alternative manure management projects, uh, which yielded about an equal number of projects. Now we're seeing in each of those, now we're seeing that there's more AMP projects funded uh, with about an equal amount of funding. Um, AMP was still very competitive, even though there is a priority and more of those projects were funded. Um, in my look at the folks that were uh, awarded funding, it seems that uh, the California Department of Food and Agriculture is really weighing um, emissions reductions heavily in those applications. Um, I worked with several smaller dairies on the North Coast um, where uh, alternative manure management projects had previously been funded. Um, but it seems that uh, for a smaller dairy, um, it's more challenging to get these grants now because they have less opportunity to get large emission reductions because the emission reductions are tied to the number of cows you have and the percentage of manure that you're managing through the alternative manure management project. So um, just my take, I, I could be wrong. Um, don't want to put words in CDFA's mouth, but um, that's what it looks like from the folks that were awarded funding uh, that getting uh, large emission reductions has become uh, a bigger part and uh, more contributor to the points uh, within the alternative manure management program. So uh, that's important for our members to be aware of uh, if you're applying for that. There is another round coming up of funding, $48 million uh, in the spring um, for alternative manure management program and for digesters. So um, I suggest you start getting ready if you are interested in this, if you have uh, not yet received one of these grants and you are interested in either a digester or an alternative manure management project, uh, now would be absolutely the time to start figuring out 
what project, what you want to do. If it's a digester, get a hold of a digester developer. Um, if it's an alternative manure management project, figure out you know what you want. You want a separator. Where do you want it to go on the dairy? Uh, what brand of separator do you want? Uh, that kind of thing. Now is absolutely the time to get started. It is not too early, uh, so that when applications get released in the spring, um, you're ready to go because the application period really is not long enough to complete um, a quality competitive application. And so. Um, it's important that you start early uh, and get some of that groundwork laid before applications are released. And with that, that wraps up my report to the board um, that now I've uh, updated our members on. And uh, hopefully um, everyone you know, has a little more information, helps um, understand and, and decide you know, how people move forward with that information. Definitely. And then we will also put Paul's contact information in the show notes. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to him by email. Um, that way you could get anything cleared up that you have a couple of questions on. Yeah, absolutely. If members ever have a question, um, I like to hear from our members. I'm happy to hear from them. So they can feel free to give me a call at the WUD office or email me. Um, would be happy to talk to them about these issues. Um, we can talk about trucks. Um, if you've got any trucks and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, um, waterboard issues, um, if you're interested in applying for AMP, uh, all those things, uh, I regularly work with our members and would be happy to work with uh, any additional members um, if they have questions on these things. Definitely. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on, Paul, and uh, give us some good information. Sure. Thank you for having me. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Thanks again, Paul, for coming on to the podcast. If you'd like to get notifications as to when Seen and Heard drops new episodes, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, the Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support.